It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. are locked on cougars this is your daily podcast focused on the byu cougars welcome in on a wednesday edition of the podcast hope you all are doing well wherever you might be plenty to get to ahead on today's episode we're going to talk about an interesting piece that i read finding some information about how byu really navigated things in the middle part of the 20th century it relates to our 100 seasons of byu football countdown which of course we will continue today looking at 1966 tommy hudspeth and his team come off a conference championship what would they do for an encore well it went pretty well and we'll explain ahead on today's show we'll also catch you guys up on everything else going on in BYU sports news. Been a very busy month so far. At the midway point, how is BYU doing in the recruiting front? How are they doing in terms of all the visits coming into campus, the camps, all that stuff? And by the way, it is Media Day Eve, folks. It is Wednesday. BYU Football Media Day is tomorrow. Crazy to think about, and we'll talk about a lot of that ahead on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends over at the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. Join Locked On NFL Draft host Trevor Sikkim and Benjamin Solak for recaps and analysis of everything going on with the NFL Draft. A look ahead to the 2022 Draft already ongoing. Make sure you download Locked On NFL Draft wherever you get your podcasts. All right, without further ado, let's get rolling here on a Wednesday. This is the Locked on Cougars podcast for June 16th, 2021. What's up, my friends? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thank you again for taking some time to download and listen to your daily podcast focused on all things BYU. Had an interesting conversation, by the way, just kind of kick off today's show with a a friend of mine who asked me, Jake, why don't you write more? Uh, He noticed that a lot of guys, Jay Drew, Mitch Harper, Darnell Dixon, Jared Lloyd, compatriots of mine in the BYU media ranks. Well, obviously they're writers. They work for various media outlets and they do a lot of writing. And the question was asked me, well, why don't you do much writing, Jake? I'd love to. I'll be honest with you guys. I would love to write more, but here's the simple fact of the matter. I have a four-hour radio show that I produce on a daily basis, DJ and PK in the morning. I do this podcast every day. It's usually 20 to 30 minutes and usually takes about an hour to do all told with all the production, the post-prod, all that stuff. And in addition to that, I happen to be a husband and a father. I do have a wife. I have two young children under the age of five. Let's put it this way. I've got a lot of different things uh, taking up my time, and I'd love to write more, folks. And if I somehow find some time, I'll try to do that. But it was just an inter- interesting conversation. And uh, by the way, just kind of the, to bring it full circle on this topic, I talked to my, this person, and I said, you know what? Funny enough, the way I go about my podcast with Locked On Cougars, I see it as my beat report. This is what I do on a daily basis. I am a BYU beat reporter just in an audio form. Format. So hopefully you guys make sense of that as this is a podcast that is focused on everything going on with BYU sports. We want 
you guys be up to speed whenever you guys are out and about driving around listening to this podcast, whether you're working out at the gym, doing the honey-do list around the house, running errands, doing your commute tour from work. We want you guys to be the smartest BYU fans out there. And that's my endeavor with this podcast. So think of it that way. I may not write a lot, but this is my written beat on BYU sports just in an audio on-demand format. Hopefully that makes sense. Anyways, just kind of an interesting conversation, a little bit of a tangent to start today's show. But let's really get going here on a Wednesday and talk about an interesting piece that I read over the last couple of days. And it was an article I actually kind of stumbled on, and it's a book talking about Brigham Young University. It's written by Gary James Bergera, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, and Ronald Prittis. And in the book, it has nine chapters, and chapter seven talks about intercollegiate athletics for BYU, and it's essentially an overview of the history for BYU athletics in this book. But it has some nuggets in here, folks, and it actually, I think, talks about the middle part of the 20th century, which is the time period we are currently going through in our 100 seasons of BYU football. And we'll talk about 1966 here in a moment in our next segment, the B Block, as they call it. But I wanted to talk about some of the things I learned reading this chapter. It was very, very fascinating to me. Uh, And I'm going to link this in the show notes, and hopefully you guys will be able to read up on this. But did you guys know there was a member of the first presidency of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who believed that BYU athletics should be more heavily invested in than they were at the time? Well, I think there are some BYU fans out there be very, very happy to hear that. Well, Ernest L. Wilkinson, he was the president of BYU, obviously, uh, during this time period. But then BYU went into the whack, and that really, think, changed things for BYU sports. They really kind of entered the quote-unquote big time. They're playing with intercollegiate teams that are giving full-ride scholarships, all that stuff. But then BYU, when they decided to go into the whack, they started constructing superior sports facilities. We talked about how 1964 saw Uh, the debut of what is Cougar Stadium, now Lavelle Edwards Stadium, albeit with much smaller capacity than we have currently. We'll talk about those expansion projects as they come along. But BYU, during this period, actually had a member of the First Presidency, as I mentioned, Stephen L. Richards, who is a huge proponent of BYU sports and actually thought that BYU should be more heavily investing in sports Uh, Speaking of the Cougars, very interesting to read about considering he was actually an advocate. If BYU was unable to have success coaching on the field during the early to mid part of the 20th century, well, they needed to try something different. They needed to make sure that they hired the coach, best coach that money could buy was the quote in this article. And in addition to that, if they couldn't find a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to be the head coach, why not give a non-member coach an opportunity? And we talked about how Hal cop became the first and only non-member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to be the head coach at BYU. Well, Stephen L. Richards ultimately never saw his dream come to fruition because he was an advocate for expanding and continuing to invest in BYU athletics. Kind of funny to read about. Also, in addition to this, the coaches during this time period, we're talking, let's say, roughly 1950 up through where we're talking about here in a moment in 1966. Well, they had a number of coaches come and go from the BYU athletic program at 
not the BYU Athletic Program, the BYU Athletic Department, excuse me. And they actually made some complaints about BYU not investing heavily enough in sports. And Stephen L. Richards is actually a proponent of agreeing with them in some ways and saying that BYU should be more heavily invested in athletics. Ultimately, I think they struck a fairly benign uh, agreement that they would obviously go with their compatriots in the NCAA in the Western Athletic Conference, but they weren't going to go all in and make it an absolute arms race. I know there are some of you out there probably listening to this podcast saying, why wouldn't they do that, Jake? Why won't they do that? Uh, I, I don't know if that I can necessarily answer that question for you guys, but it is interesting to read about this, how there are different players in this time period that were saying the BYU needs to invest more heavily. Other people pushing back saying the Cougars had been investing fairly heavily and had gotten pretty good return on their investment. Just crazy to read about, and obviously, BYU now is obviously a very proud member of the FBS ranks in college football. They obviously funded it at a fairly high level, but there are always more things you could do, and that is the hope, I think, of many of you out there, is that BYU at some point sees the value of what BYU football and BYU athletics as a whole can be, and begins to invest in in it more heavily. Now, I'm not advocating for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to use their funds, tithing funds in particular, to subsidize BYU athletics. I believe BYU is an institution itself. It's separate from the LDS Church. I know it's sponsored by the LDS Church, but there are enough revenues for BYU as a university that could be funneled to the athletic department that I think you could invest in it more heavily. That's my personal opinion. But this was just a fascinating, fascinating thing. There's so much information here for me to really surmise it in what, 10, 12 sentences? It's near impossible, but it was absolutely incredible to read about. I didn't know that Stephen L. Richards was a big, was as big of a proponent for BYU athletics and investing in BYU athletics, probably the most ardent supporter of BYU athletics I've ever read about. That's just my personal opinion on the matter, just reading about this. But BYU obviously benefiting from this time period, and it also benefited from the fact they finally had a coach who they could build around. Speaking of Tommy Hudspeth, and we're going to talk about 1966 here in just a few moments as we talk about the follow-up to their first ever conference championship, that WAC title they won in 1965. Well, what did the Cougars do in 1966? Well, it's pretty impressive, and we'll talk about that here in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends at Built Bar, folks. They are the best-tasting protein bars in the world. I mean that. I know I sound like a broken record when I mention it, but I absolutely love Built Bars. I can't encourage you guys enough to give them a shot. What I love about Built Bars is they are the perfect complement for wherever you might be in your health journey. They're high-protein, high-fiber, low-sugar, low-calories. For example, most of the flavors that Built Bar offers have 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, 4 grams grams of sugar and just four grams of net carbs. It's absolutely incredible. And if they're any worse than that, it's 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, five grams of sugar and five grams of net carbs, nine amazing base flavors, obviously some limited time flavors available every so often as well. 
Order today, folks. They are absolutely incredible. I would encourage you guys, if you haven't tried them already, try the variety pack. It comes with two of each of the nine base flavors they offer. It comes in a nice box. You can give them a shot, find out which ones you like, and then order again. While you're at BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your first order. You heard that right. LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your next order. Take advantage of that offer now and get enjoying the best tasting protein bars in the world with Built Bar. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, folks, continuing on now with our look back at BYU football history. Let's talk about 1966. By the way, that article I was just referencing, speaking about BYU athletics, kind of funny to read about more about uh, Stephen L. Richards, the first counselor in the church, first presidency of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Interesting to talk about how he was willing to pay top price for a coach, despite not knowing that the conference at the time that BYU isn't actually re- required that coach is only be paid as much as the greatest, best employees of the same caliber at their respective universities and within the conference, kind of just a limiting factor there. But in addition to that, BYU, when they first offered scholarships or athletic subsidies, as they called them back then, they offered 110 of them across their athletic department to begin. And, uh, Elder Richards or President Richards at the time actually said this quote, if each year the university could attract 100, 200 or 300 young men with athletic proclivities to the university who might otherwise go to other schools and thus train these prospective missionaries for the church, I'd be willing to go to a considerable expense to provide such attraction, unquote. Pretty fascinating to read about just a a member of the church uh, leadership advocating for a higher and deeper investment in BYU athletics. Pretty fascinating. But 1966 rolled around as we are talking about the 100 seasons of BYU football here. And Tommy Hudspeth comes off of the first ever conference title for BYU, winning the WAC in pretty shocking fashion. As we talked about yesterday, both with Mel Olson, in addition just to kind of my recap of that 1965 season, BYU went from to first. Obviously, once you win the conference, your expectations go up. And entering the third year of Hudspeth's tenure, he has now won a conference title. What would he do with his team for an encore? Well, it was a pretty good season, if we're being honest. 8-2, one of the best seasons in terms of the win-loss margin in BYU football history to this point. Obviously, there will be some special seasons to come in the relatively near future as we break into the 1970s. But BYU, despite that 8-2 record, only finished second in the conference to an absolutely incredible Wyoming team. The Cowboys this season were 10-1 overall, nationally ranked, also 5-0 in the WAC. BYU, for their efforts, was 3-2 in the WAC, tied for second place with both Arizona State and Utah, who also had a 5-5 overall records each, so lackluster records, but they tied for second place with BYU. The Cougars opened the year in very fine form uh, at San Jose State, winning that game over the 
Spartans 19-9, then came home for back-to-back home games, beating Colorado State 27-24 before smashing Utah State in the battle for the old wagon wheel 27-7. Then they went uh, to, no, excuse me, they didn't go. They actually remained home against Arizona State on October 14th and suffered a narrow 10-7 loss, which dropped them to 3-1 on the year. No matter, they bounced back with a 33-6 pasting of New Mexico on the road the following week, then went to Arizona and won that game in a nail-biter 16-14, and that's when things really got rolling here for BYU. November 5th, BYU played Texas Western, which we now know as UTEP, in Provo, and BYU absolutely obliterated uh, UTEP 53-33, and in that game, our good friend uh, Virgil Carter set an NCAA and BYU record with 513 passing yards, 599 total yards of offense, and just absolutely was incredible. And funny enough, that record of 513 passing yards and 599 yards of total offense generated by himself actually stood as BYU school records until Ty Detmer broke them in 1991. Steve Young, Jim McMahon, Mark Wilson, Gifford Nielsen, Think of some of the greatest quarterbacks in that assembly line that Lavelle Edwards had. Not a single one of them eclipsed what Virgil Carter did on that afternoon on November 5th at BYU Stadium in Provo in that 53-33 victory. Absolutely incredible. Then they followed that up with a second straight win. We actually have a win streak we're talking about here over the University of Utah. BYU beat the Utes in Salt Lake City 35-13, beat them handily, gave them for the first time back-to-back victories, like I said, a win streak over the Utes in program history. It had been a long, long, long time coming for any of you listening to this podcast. We started back in 1896, folks. We got to 1966 before we got back-to-back wins for BYU over the Utes. Absolutely incredible. Shows how dominant Utah was early on in this season. And then BYU, after that game against Utah, well, they're sitting at 7-1, and one, feeling really good about themselves, but then that dreaded Wyoming team came to BYU Stadium, and they handed it to BYU. Their worst loss of the year by far. Obviously, when you lose two games be very clear but they got beat 47 to 14 just couldn't get anything going had 38,000 fans on hand by the way at BYU Stadium for that game and then they finished up the year with a home game against Pacific and shut out Pacific 38 to nothing to finish the year with that 8 and 2 record so an absolutely stellar season for BYU but only outdone by a Wyoming team which ran through conference play undefeated and posted a 10 and 1 record overall very impressive marks but Virgil Carter, folks, was otherworldly during this season. He led the country overall with 2,545 yards of total offense. He also led the team with 2,182 passing yards and 56 points scored overall. As we mentioned, he had that single-game record with the 513 passing yards and the 599 yards of total offense top offense, excuse me, against Texas Western. Well, in addition to him, there were some other standout players on this team. John Ogden ran for 906 rushing yards. Phil Odell had 920 receiving yards for the Cougars. Odell uh, actually is still, I believe, in the top 10 in the country in terms of overall career, career receptions for the BYU football program. And Phil Odell, by the way, is an interesting story in and of himself because him and some of his fellow compatriots who had served in the armed forces 
forces. In particular, they were Marines based in the greater San Diego area. Well, they actually played for a San Diego area Marine base in an independent team that played against local college teams down there. But as such, they were in the military. They did not use their collegiate eligibility while playing there for that Marine base. Well, Chris Apostle, one of the... uh, BYU assistant coaches was actually invited by a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who was a coach on that Marine base team to come down and recruit those guys. Well, Coach Apostle uh, followed his gut, went down there, found guys like Phil Odell who came to BYU and absolutely stellar for BYU. As the quote in this same article I referenced earlier actually talks about with regards to Tommy Hudspeth, well, a lot of teams build, but Tommy Hudspeth called in the Marines was the quote. And Obviously, those Marines, guys like Phil Odell, were absolutely critical to BYU building a winning program. The all-conference team featured six BYU players from this 1966 squad. Phil Odell on that team, guard guard Grant Wilson, quarterback Virgil Carter, as you would expect. He was also named WAC Player of the Year. With all those exploits, some of those legendary numbers he put up, that was very, very easy to pick. Fullback John Ogden, linebacker Kirk Belcher, and safety Bobby Roberts all received all conference honors in 1966 and it was a really really cool thing to read about about how important this was and a a big thank you to all of you guys who've been supporting the podcast it's so much fun to have you guys be a part of this your guys' help by the way when you reach out with different figures correcting me on things or helping point out different resources i've been able to use it's been absolutely stellar. In 1966, it's just the greatest season to date in this countdown. And funny enough, we're only going up from here. There will obviously be some bumps along the road here as we get to the back half of the 1960s. Well, we are in the back half, but as we get towards the tail end of the 1960s into the 1970s, we will make the transition from Tommy Hudspeth to Lavelle Edwards. And obviously, once Lavelle took over, it got off and rolling and just did not slow down for the BYU football program. So there you go, 1966. Putting that one to bed. What did the Cougars do in 1967? You come off a conference title. You're a second place team who in other seasons might have been a conference champion. Well, we'll talk about how 1967 played out for BYU after Virgil Carter moves on after that legendary career he put together for BYU. By the way, one thing about Virgil Carter, think about that. What he did, 2,100 and whatever passing yards, that was kind of a foreshadowing of what, a decade later when guys like Gary Scheide came in, then Gifford Nielsen, then Mark Wilson, Jim McMahon, Steve Young, Robbie Bosco, Ty Detmer. It was kind of a foreshadowing of what was to come under Lavelle Edwards' tenure. And just kind of a just a really cool thing if you look back at kind of how things lined up. Well, Virgil Carter really got the ball rolling. And I think he needs to get his fair due. And obviously he went on to have success in the NFL playing for the Cincinnati Bengals and the like. Really, really cool story all the way around. So there you go. 1966 in a nutshell. Hopefully I did it some justice, but we'll talk about 1967 tomorrow. 1968 to close up the week on Friday. And obviously we'll get into 1969 and the early 1970s next week. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll catch you guys up on everything else you need to know about BYU sports here on a Wednesday. We'll get to all of that in just a minute. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends over at Bet Online. They are the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action, guys, no matter what your interest might be. MMA, UFC, golf, PGA Tour, the US Open this week, if you want to bet on that. NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, the road to the Stanley Cup, even baseball on an everyday basis. You can take advantage of it all by going to Bet Online. Their web address is betonline.ag. 
Don't wait any longer as this is your chance to get into the game and really put your skin into the game, so to say. Head to the website now. It's betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up for free today. And while you're there, when you make your first deposit, make sure you use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus. Yes, free money courtesy of BetOnline. Take advantage of it, guys. They are very, very willing to help you guys out. They want you guys to have a good experience. So get that 50% welcome bonus with a promo code LOCKEDON at BetOnline.ag as they are your online sportsbook experts. Need to take a moment here today and talk about our good friends over at Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of different makes and models across the entire spectrum of vehicles, it is impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront or at a dealership, guys. Why endure a pointless conversation with a guy who doesn't know what you need and is looking up on his computer? You've got a computer. You can look up the parts. All you need to do is take advantage of what is offered to you at rockauto.com. That's what we love about this company. It's been Serving auto parts customers online as a family business for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for all the auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The best part is that they have everything that you could ever imagine for your vehicle. The rockauto.com catalog is also unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and even the prices that you prefer. Best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do it yourself. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? And oh, by the way, it's shipped directly to your door. Take advantage of it now, guys. Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box or locked on Cougars so they know that we sent you to check them out. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car, truck, or SUV will ever need. Check them out at rockauto.com. All right, my friends, before we go here on a Wednesday, a couple of notes for you guys and other BYU news. Let's start off with this. It was an email I received at LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. I love when I hear from you guys, by the way. It's an absolute privilege and an honor to do this podcast on a daily basis. And your guys' interactions are really what I enjoy the most. And our good friend Bill Hecker, you may remember him from the past couple of weeks, talking about the all-sports awards, the, what are we calling them, the, the Director's Cup, the Learfield Director's Cup, the BYU has been doing very well and is on track to have their highest finish ever. We actually sent in this email says, Dear Jake, I am loving your 100 years of the BYU football countdown. You did 1965 today. That was yesterday when you sent me the email. And I just wanted to tell you that my neighbors are the Ashdowns. Bob passed away a few years ago from cancer, but I just talked to his widow and she verified the, the following. Bobby Ashdown, who were the number 43, was a defensive back and a starter for BYU in 1964 through 1966, including the 1965 and 1966 seasons, obviously. Well, in the 1965 Utah game, the BYU won that 25-20 win. He actually intercepted two passes, including the one that clinched the victory for the Utes. And he finishes this off with, we need more of those victories over the Utes. Go Cougs, signed Bill. Bill, thank you. That was really cool to hear about. Bobby Ashdown, and I had missed this. I apologize for I probably should have seen that when I was reading up on that BYU victory. But cool to think about. Two interceptions, including the game-stealing interception to get BYU their first win in 20 years, if I'm not mistaken, in near 20 years over the Utes, 25-20. to As we just talked about, 1966 featured the first back-to-back wins over the Utes in BYU football history. This project, folks, 
it continues to expand. I know it's taking over a lot of the podcasts recently. And obviously, once BYU Media Day is here tomorrow, we'll have more content, more comments from coaches and players that we'll be able to rely on. But it's, it's crazy to think about how this project is ballooning. And it's a big credit to you guys for weighing in with your thoughts. I can't thank you guys enough. This is truly not a one-man effort to do all of this. And your guys' work and help and all the different support you have given is much appreciated. So thank you, Bill, for sending in that email. One other note before we go here today is congratulations to the four members of the BYU Women's Volleyball Program who were recognized on the WCC Volleyball All-Academic Team for the 2020-2021 spring season. That came out earlier this week. All-American middle blocker Kennedy Eschenberg headlined the first team for the West Coast Conference All-Academic Team while making her third first-team appearance. That's impressive. Kennedy Eschenberg getting it done both on the court as well as in the classroom. BYU opposite hitter Kate Grimmer also earned a spot on the first team, while setter Whitney Bauer and serving specialist Taylor Hefo received all academic honorable mention honors. So congratulations to all four of them on those honors. All right, folks. BYU Football Media Day tomorrow. I'm going to see if I can get a podcast out at some point tomorrow. Probably be later in the afternoon after BYU Media Day is kind of put to bed. That's my plan as of now. If news comes out, maybe I'll do a podcast tonight previewing it. We'll do a Friday one that recaps it. I don't know. But I hope you guys will be along for the ride regardless. We'll also talk about 1967 and BYU football history as well. So plenty to get to ahead on these future editions of Locked on Cougars. And a big thank you for all of your support. Follow the show on social media if you haven't done so already. Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Locked on Cougars. Search us out. Make sure to also follow me on Twitter if you're so interested at Jacob C. Hatch. And as I already mentioned, LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address for the podcast until tomorrow it's BYU football media day eve enjoy it and we'll talk to you guys soon this has been the locked on cougars podcast for june 16th 2021 and we will talk to you guys tomorrow Listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.